Hello friends, how's it going? My name is Matt Barr, you listen to Looking Sideways Action Sports Podcast. It's the show where I try and cover the most interesting stories in action sports and other related endeavours. Thanks for listening to this episode, hope you enjoy it. Feels like absolutely weeks since I did one of these and that's because it is. Because it turns out I needed a bit of a break from not only the podcast but from work in general. So pretty much took six weeks off really. Went to France for a few weeks uh, and then I went to the Maldives, which was a kind of long planned trip that had been postponed by COVID a few times. And then very unexpectedly, um, when they changed the travel rules, was suddenly back on at the beginning of October 2021. And it was great. So went there, turned the phone off, basically took it old school, listened to music, did a lot of surfing, Talked to my friends, uh, did a lot of sleeping, did a lot of reading books, did a lot of playing cards and have come back refreshed and ready to go once again uh, with this episode, which is with Skaterstan founder and friend of the podcast, Ollie Perkovich, who I welcome back for his second conversation for the show. I first chatted to Ollie at the amazing, incidentally, Pushing Borders event in London in May 2018 the pre-COVID era and my word that seems like a long time ago now since then it's fair to say much has changed for both of us me because well my little podcast has traveled a million miles further than I ever dreamed it would during that time and Ollie because well that's what we ended up talking about because the last couple of years have had a few huge impact on the work of Stan. firstly COVID um, which naturally was was huge on a non-profit with a global reach and staff all over the world and then with recent events in Afghanistan um, which have it's fair to say had a significant impact on Skatistan and the community that Ollie and his colleagues have spent so much time supporting so when back in August 2021 it became apparent that the unfolding events in Afghanistan were going to be significant and long-lasting I contacted Ollie to see if he'd be interested in coming back on the show to discuss the situation and the implications for the work of Skate is Stand. Now, it took a couple of months for us to pin this down, but at the end of October 21, we sat down over Zoom to discuss the whole thing. Now, if you've not listened to my original chat with Ollie, in which we discussed the genesis of Skate is Stand and his own path into this world, I can recommend it as a great companion piece for this episode, but this one also works as a standalone. Um, obviously I had to be quite careful how I approach this one it's a very sensitive topic particularly for Ollie and his colleagues right now Um, so I tried my best and I hope that comes across in the conversation Um, but I really enjoyed this chat with Ollie and I hope you do too just a little note on the sound as well had a bit of a mic malfunction myself on this one it's been a while what can I say Um, so my sound is a little bit funky but um, it's still completely listenable. So I hope you can ignore that and still enjoy this conversation. All right, nice one. How are you, mate? It's been a while. It's been three years, I think, since we last saw each other. Yes, it's been quite a quite a roller coaster. Um exciting exciting couple of years for for skater stand uh, a lot of a uh, lot of growth in what we do but uh, also then um 
yeah, COVID, uh, COVID hitting and all of the adjustment that was necessary around that. And uh, now with also some pretty big changes in Afghanistan. So um, we've, we've always dealt with um, unexpected things happening. And I think that we're pretty we're pretty good at working around working around challenges. So I I enjoy I enjoy challenges. So that's uh, that's uh, that's another that's another another part of it that hasn't been so uh, so bad. But um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, the work goes on. It's it's interesting to do. Yeah, well, may you live in interesting times and all that. Eh? You know, it's because I—I mean, I've been thinking about about this in prep for our talk, and I, one of the things that struck me is, you know, obviously, like the kind of mo of Skatistan is to set up in fluctuating, challenging environments, right? I mean, that's that's been built in from the beginning. The, the, you know, it's not like, hey, we're going to build a skate park in 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 the first world, or we're gonna we're gonna try and you know, speak to this community in, in a, in a settled environment, you know, it's, it, by its very existence, it, it's about like trying to establish communities and use skateboarding in a positive way in, in necessarily very challenging environments. So has that, you know, that being baked into the DNA of, of Skatistan, has that, has that been something that you've been able to draw on? in the last two years like with these challenges that you face like as you've mentioned covid and then specifically what's now unfolded in afghanistan is that something that you can kind of use to navigate when when you hit this new sort of tricky territory yeah i think it's based uh, it's built up on experiences that you that you have when you tackle something incredibly difficult to to tackle, um, you learn new skills and you also prove to yourself that it is sometimes possible to do things when it might seem impossible or other people are, uh, are leaving. I mean, we were, that, that was essentially the, um, the space that we were working with, especially around Afghanistan, where international organisations were continuously leaving the country uh, while we were growing and being able to do more and more so uh, yeah i i think that it's not that we know how to actually solve a, a particular challenge it's that like you were saying it's a little bit that it's in our dna to well let's let's give it a shot and let's uh if we don't know how to do it now, um, if we apply ourselves to it in a couple of weeks, we we will know how to we will know how to tackle tackle this. We will know at least what are what are some what are some steps forward, and we'll know we'll know more. It's always uh, it's all it's always worth throwing yourself into the into the ring and and having a go. Before we get into the specifics in Afghanistan, um, obviously. It's now traditional that we begin a podcast with a little COVID recap, but I think it is it's kind of very relevant in your case, isn't it? Because again, you know, obviously individuals have experienced the implications of COVID and the pandemic, but when your business is global, um, when you know, when you're running charitable projects all over the world, 
you've got staff all over the world, you know, that, that presents a very, very different set of challenges. So like, how did that impact Skater Stamp um, over the last couple of years, the COVID situation? Like what challenges did you specifically face? So with, um, yeah, with, with COVID hitting um, different uh, governments in the countries that we worked, um, gave orders to shut down schools and NGO work in, in person. So we quickly moved to more remote-based uh, assistance. We connected with our, our students through whatever means we could, calling them up by phone, SMS, WhatsApp, going to, to visit them where they were. Um, we distributed uh, food uh, to to families that maybe needed it. These were all things that we'd never done before at all, and we we quickly we we understood that what we're about is building community. And uh, at a time like that, the the community needed uh, contact and and support, and we, we we adjusted to then try to try to deliver that. That's not to say that it wasn't extremely difficult for our, our staff to adjust to a new way of working. A lot of them hadn't actually even, you know, really done so much online. Um, the first couple of weeks was was really, okay, let's really make sure that everybody's got an internet connection and a computer and they, they know how to then uh, do, some, do some basics there. Um, the Zoom tutorial. It was it was it was really uh, starting from scratch, and these are these are things that we probably should have done five years ago. So yeah. that that really that pushed us that pushed that along, and then once we'd done that step, then we had the ability to to work remotely, and uh, we 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 started to just reach out how we how we could, and I mean. I, it really reminded me of I, I grew up in in Melbourne, Australia, and there's there's a lot of bushfire danger. And in the '80s, there was a, a telephone tree to you know warn of okay, if a bushfire is coming, then this person rings this these three people, and those people ring those three people. So you know sometimes people didn't have telephones, so it was like all right, one person has a telephone, and those that person then talks to those people and we worked out how to get in contact with with people and um let them know we haven't we haven't forgotten about you we you you are part of our you are part of our community um are you safe are you are you okay um and uh you know essentially this uh, all of and, and then adjusting as well in terms of all of the the mental health uh challenges that it that that it posed for for different people in different places if you're uh if you're living somewhere in south africa or in cambodia or in afghanistan um and you don't have food security um and you don't have certain all of a sudden the the breadwinner can't work in the family there's you know all of all of those mental health challenges that we've we've also faced in the in the west uh, are just exacerbated and they they're just so much so much bigger so we 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 try to understand okay well how can we how can we support people's mental health as as well of the our um 
our staff members, the, the, the students, how can we, creating safe spaces is, is always very central to, to, to the work that we're doing. So how, how can we keep our, our staff, and, staff and students safe? Um, yes, we're not able to, to reach them in the way that we wanted to. And then over time that, um, you know, that, that, that changed. Certain restrictions came down. Um, we're, kids were able to come to the skate schools again and they were just so excited. And we, we saw the numbers shoot up in, in South Africa in Joburg. We had bigger programs and better attendance and all of this, all, a whole lot of stuff also grew with the, with the lockdown restrictions being, uh, being lifted. And I think a lot of, a lot of students just actually realized how much of a, how much of an important resource we were providing and, and how that was also something that they really missed with, uh, with, with being in, being in lockdown and, and what a, what an important role skateboarding can also play in, in dealing with, you know, COVID times. So, yeah, that, so that clarification, because, you know, that's something I think we can all recognise, isn't it? You know, you did, during that period, like, you really did bring it down to, like, what was important to you. You had, you know, like, and, and, and being outdoors, like, being active. Obviously, there was, that, that was quite clear, the fact that people really reconnected with the importance of that, both on an individual level and on a community level, like you say, for mental health reasons, for for just for just the reasons that perhaps you take for granted in normal times a little bit you know you can get a bit complacent about those things that are important to you can't you so that that had a, by the sounds of it that had a definite um impact as as countries started to come out of covid you saw a bit of a boost you saw you saw more and more people coming to the programs is that sort of what happened yeah i mean and and but also in in certain cases it, it was still really hard and it re- remains really hard in a place like Cambodia we can't actually um we we, we still can't have in-person programs and that's gone on for quite some time where we're struggling through with the with the remote base uh, programming in in place um but then in in uh both both in Afghanistan and uh, on South Africa, it it was it there, there were big big rebounds, and I, again, the the students that were part of our programs really understood the the, the value that the programs were bringing to their lives, and and it was uh, it was another coping mechanism that they could they could utilize and also then share with other people in their community what kind of underlines the importance of the whole proposition of skatistan in a way doesn't it you know like another crisis like this um has that given you a perspective on the way that that it's been handled um because obviously if you look at like the west um we tend we've tended to sort of like the debates have become quite reductive you know if you look at like the uk it's suddenly it's about like well we're not wearing masks you know we're not we're not you know you know there's that debate there's a similar debate in australia it's become like about a personal liberty thing um which to my personal perspective has privilege 
at the root like you know if you can have that opinion you're probably coming from quite a privileged position because if you look at like the situations that people in the global south are facing with covid as you've outlined you know they don't have the infrastructure that we have they might they perhaps might not have the the means to get vaccines out to people in the same way that we have in the west you know like so i'm guessing the fact that you're operating in so many different territories and seeing so many different approaches to this crisis has given you a bit of a perspective on that is that is that a fair comment yeah we've we've seen we've, we've definitely seen different uh, different approaches taken um there, there's so many things in Afghanistan that are continuing to kill the population at a, a higher rate than COVID is, and uh, the the world hasn't been up in arms about those things. Um, <laughs> there's there's still uh, still diseases and uh, in in many countries that haven't been you know haven't had that. Um, haven't that haven't had that level of uh, level of response. People people need to get on get get on with their lives in those countries, no matter all of those background background risks. I think in the in the West, the 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 arguments have have seemed extremely selfish to to me from my my perspective. I think if we've got the ability to um, stop the stop the virus we should be doing absolutely everything that we can to make sure that it doesn't actually go to places where they don't have all of those um, stop guards and measures and hospital beds and all of the all of the infrastructure that we can rely on to keep us to keep us safe um, that's that's our <laughs> that's our that's our obligation to to humankind, and uh, we're kind of missing the missing the opportunity there by not doing everything that we not not doing everything that we that we can. So um, yeah, I, I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how much how, how much more I can sort of expand on. Yeah, well, I'm, you know, the thought the thought that strikes me though is like skate and stand kind of exists to fill a, a vacuum doesn't it you know on one level you know obviously you've you've created this thing because you saw a vacuum in place and you saw skateboarding as a way of filling that vacuum of of solving a problem that basically wasn't being solved at a governmental level and that is an analogy for what's going on now you know like so i, I guess that's why i'm interested in your perspective because th that that's writ large, you know, with, with something like COVID, you know, what you're, what you're talking about there is like, as you've outlined it, the, 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 there's huge gaps in like the way that those countries are able to, to, to solve this problem. And yes, certainly some, it's, they've been filled in some ways, like successfully, but generally, as you say, not all, like it's just been like a country by country approach based upon national interests rather than like an international cooperation as you kind of alluded to to solve the problem so yeah it, it strikes me there is a parallel you know because I, I imagine that's forget covid like you know somebody that's put yourself in the position that you've put yourself in as we're going to do this to fill this vacuum often i imagine in the face of complete apathy you know you've just talked about 
the, the fact that there are all these other issues in Afghanistan, for example, that people don't give a shit about. Um, but then there's this one issue that everybody suddenly cares about. I'm sure you understand what I'm getting at. So like, I'm just interested really, like how, on a personal point of view from you, does that, how do you not get really tired of that? <laughs> like how, how do you keep, you know, we sort of talked about this a little bit in our first conversation, like your personal like approach to this and how, how you do deal with these things, but there must there must come a point where it gets a bit overwhelming, like the the lack of joined up thinking, the lack of, you know, especially when you've got something that's compounded by an issue like COVID. Has it been harder with the situation that you found the last couple of years for you personally to sort of um, assimilate that situation? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely, definitely agree with you that there are, there, there are some joining there is some joining the dots that um we are we're, we're missing missing out on on solving solving large solving large problems and uh essentially i mean we've got to we've got to see we've got to see everybody in the world as part of our people and what we 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 can only we can only achieve, achieve things as uh, as a as a um, we can only achieve things as a as a whole. Um, I'm yeah. I, I think that there's I think that there's uh, I think that there's opportunities in the in the covid covid with everything that covid has brought to us with seeing people as another hu- as another human being and and breaking breaking down those um breaking down the barriers of country or whether somebody's a, a skateboarder or not or it's it's uh we we've got we've got the chance to to think think globally at this at this point in time and we're not taking it <laughs> it's uh it's that 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 part is a little bit um is is really is really disappointing but it's also not it's also not surprising but i think that there's also opportunities for us to connect on a very human person to person basis because we're also all being challenged by the same the same thing in in terms of covid and uh, we've all got very different we've all got very different responses uh, responses to it and uh, this is a there's a there's a really, there's a chance for a, there's a chance for a shared humanity to evolve from that as, as well. And I see that as a, as maybe it's not being grasped and that's frustrated, but I also see, see it as a, see it as an opportunity. Well, I mean, that's, that's why what you do so important though, isn't it? Because that's, that's what you're demonstrating with the work that you do. And the idea behind something like skate stand and it's you know what you said there shouldn't be that revolutionary should it 
you know, like we're essentially we're all humans and we've all got the same problems to solve, but increasingly, and maybe it's just the perspective that I see the echo chamber that I'm in, but it does, it does feel increasingly polarized um, and increasingly difficult to sort of transcend the tribalism that just seems to naturally, well, not na- actually, naturally is completely the wrong word, <laughs> artificially be generated around issues that we're dealing with right now. You know, climate change, I was just thinking then when you were talking, is it's just an obvious, another obvious example of where we need the approach that you just outlined is going to be completely necessary, and yet it is the opposite of the way that's been challenged. You know, we're speaking the week before Glasgow, and it's going to be quite fascinating to see what comes out of that from this perspective, isn't it, really? But, you know, your positivity, and I kind of thought you would answer with that sort of positive perspective, just because that's obviously the stall you've set out in the world at the end of the day. You know, you've, you've said, like, no, we can we can have a different approach to solving these problems that is a bit more universal and is, and is less tribal. Um, but yeah, I was interested in, in asking that question for that reason, really. The, the, the experience that we all, all have is somewhat the same right now, but our response to, to those things is, is different. And that's completely, that's, that's completely okay as, as, as well. Um, with, uh, the, the, there is, there, there is really an opportunity right now to break down a whole lot of different barriers that we have, we have put up in the, in the, in, in, in the past. Humanity as a whole is, we're so similar to each other. We are 99.999% the same biologically as every other human on the, on, on the planet. And, and yet it's, and it's completely okay for us to have slightly different ways of uh, solving a, solving a, solving a problem. We've got to, we've got to embrace, we've got to embrace that and uh, share those, share those experiences and and find that you know the the common thread is is there it's it's inherent and and somehow right now we're uh, we're digging ditches and and creating teams and tribes and uh one side and one side and another side and uh it 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 makes that that doesn't that doesn't make a lot of sense especially when we've got these huge challenges of climate change of uh, dealing with dealing with COVID. Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about this before, and I've certainly spoken about this probably to the point of tedium on this podcast, but I've, I, I'm not worried about repeating myself. Um, it, it, that's why travel is so important because of what you just said. You know, like when you travel, you realise, I think we've both been lucky enough to do a lot of travel over the years. You, people are exactly the same wherever you go in the world. Like, and that is, that is not a revolutionary comment, you know, like I've been lucky enough to travel all over the Middle East, for example, in a lot of countries that are demonized in my country as, as like, and the friendliest people I've ever met really, you know, I went snowboarding in Lebanon, you know, got adopted by an entire town, 
I can imagine. <laughs> who, who were just like, who the fuck are you lot? What are you doing here? And by the way, you're not going to put your hand in your pocket for a week, you know. Um, and, you know, we've all got endless examples of that. But it is important and it is the truth and it is how people are generally. You know, you cannot judge a country by its government at the end of the day, can you? You know, like you can't, you can't judge Afghanistan by the Taliban in the same way that you can't judge Britain by the fact that we invaded Afghanistan. That doesn't, that's, that's not who I am. That's not who you are. That's not who, you know, the people that, and the more you- It's not representative of the people at all. Of course it's not. And, and the more this tribalism, and that's, I'm not going to go too into that because, you know, that's a different conversation really, but the more that becomes the point, the easier it is to forget that very essential truth, isn't it? Really, um, which again is another reason why what, what you do is is so is such a great reminder of that. Really, um, but before when we started getting into the detail, you and I asked you how you were. You said it's been a roller coaster, and I think we chatted spring twenty eighteen maybe, and. If you're not listening to that, by the way, I really recommend that because that's when we kind of get into like Ollie's backstory and the, the kind of like establishment foundation of Skatestown, which I don't think we'll do today. But um, since then, it sounds like pre-COVID, there was expansion and things had progressed a lot. So could before we get into the, the specifics of, of, of your future plans, because I know that's necessarily changed because of what's happened in Afghanistan, I'm really interested in discussing that with you. Could you set a bit of a scene for like where Skatestown had got to in the in the time between our first conversation. So yeah, I think the the big um, we we were in uh, in in Afghanistan with three skate schools. We had the skate school in um, Johannesburg in South Africa, uh, the skate school in Phnom Penh in Cambodia. And uh, we had just started the Good Push Alliance. And so the Good Push Alliance was a, um, a collective of social skateboard projects around the world um, that we really wanted to pull together. And we we're really interested in sharing our, sharing our knowledge with. And um, this, uh, this, this alliance of uh, social skateboard projects um, that we were so excited to, to see spring up in, in different places around the world, uh, but didn't always have the ability to um, support them. They reached out to us as a larger organisation or an organisation that had, had worked uh, in, in the space for, for a longer time. And uh, we, we, we always wanted to, wanted to help but we always felt too stretched to be able to do that, and uh, that was a that was a really exciting springboard for us, and uh, a little bit of a, a different direction. But this, how can we share what we know? How can we share our knowledge? How can we build out um, and 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 increase the impact of all of these? fledgling not i mean sometimes more more established uh, projects that have been running for for years sometimes uh, much more grassroots yeah we're stoked on them how can we how can we see them how can we see them grow 
and uh, we 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 developed out a a bit of a, a bit of a toolkit and a website to um, and uh, ran uh, webinars, built out a you know an e-learning platform to for all of those social scape projects to be able to um, do yeah learn finance how to do HR how to um, how to how to get uh, get money how to run programs, how to be more inclusive, how to add on an educational element, how to work with uh, disabled um, children or youth in the in the programs. And um, that's grown immensely. And uh, there, there's now 600 uh, social scale projects in 70 countries that are... Uh, you know that we've we've identified and wow. um, it's 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 just growing like crazy so that's a that's a really that's a really exciting space to watch and uh, we've been surveying the the social se- uh, skate sector um over the last couple of years and uh you know it's it's not a it's not a it's not a huge. It's not a huge sector. It's it's a it's a total of ten million dollars a year um, for all of these projects in all of these countries, and uh, they're seeing around a million participations a year in in all of wow. you know, across that across that whole across that whole sector, and that's just going to that's just going to grow and grow and grow because there is more. Uh, you know, skateboarding doesn't need to stay white and male. Um, it, everybody can skateboard, and uh, we've got to we've got to simply create the learn to create more inclusive spaces. Learn to, you know, put resources behind, um, you know, things that can things that can help um, everybody get into get into skateboarding, or you know, and and build out these build out these projects. So. I think that that's a that's a really exciting space to space to watch. Yeah, that's amazing. So, ten million kind of rev, you know, like budget, if you like, or a million participants. I mean, that is that's incredible, isn't it? it and, and 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 obviously driven by passion, basically, because I imagine, and I'm guessing, but I imagine like the, the majority of those projects are just purely done for the same reason that you sell skate stamp right just like to share to share the stoke at the end of the day like to 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 share the message i mean it's a really admirable thing isn't it it's a it's it's yeah they're definitely driven by passion there's a lot of you know engagement from the people that are running those programs to the you know the kids that are taking taking part in them um that's you know, they, they might not always be so professional or, you know, set up in a, a really structured way. But I mean, these, these are the, these are the things that can also change the world. So um, I, I, I think that uh, I, I really hope to see more, more investment um, in this, in this whole space. And uh, I think it's going to be incredibly, 
incredibly exciting to see skateboarding and skateboarding related projects um, taking off all over the world. Um, the I think the African continent is especially interesting simply because of its demographics overall and the you know how much of a youth population um all of that um there's there's an there's an incredible amount of um potential and i guess another another space that is really interesting to me is um the refugee space and how governments simply are missing the opportunity to have some sort of longer term plan in place to to deal um to uh to deal with the issue of of refugees it is only going to become a bigger and bigger issue year by year over the next 50 years for sure but which government has a 20 year plan in place to 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 tackle to tackle this uh, this this issue, and and that was that was the same thing that I saw in Afghanistan. A whole lot of governments with heaps and heaps of money, and uh, you know the the biggest plan was a six month plan or a two year plan at best, and and you can see what then that patchwork, non committed. Um, <laughs> approach not yeah non-strategized approach yeah um hold that thought but my final question on that space that you were just describing and um you mentioned you'd like to see more resources going into those projects basically and obviously the good push lines it's kind of an open source thing isn't it you know it's, it's a knowledge sharing exercise it's like providing support in that way but in terms of revenue like where can that come from is that is that something you see the industry supporting? Is that like what kind of like I guess that's a two part question. Like how are those um, activities, organisations, projects currently funded? I mean, I guess it's I guess it's donations and, and volunteer volunteering basically. And um, but how could you? What's your vision for growth? Because you said you'd love to see it develop basically, and you'd love to see more resources. So what? How? How can that work? I guess on the individual and the kind of industry level. I, I think that it. I think that it. I mean, Skaterstan and a lot of other um, social skate projects have been very strongly supported by the by the by the skateboard industry. Um, they're 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 stoked on on what we're doing and what these different social skateboard projects um, are into. Uh, there's there's a whole lot of people that have had their lives um, changed by board sports and and get that um, you know get it and they might have the ability to to support on a on an individual level. I think Skaterstan has a role to play in pulling it all together and uh, helping everybody to you know think a little bit bigger and and tap into that real that real potential, but. I think it. I think it can come from lots of lots of different different sources. I think that the 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 board sports industry um, can can play can play a role. Uh, I think that governments can play a role. I think that foundations can can play a role. And and some of them are a little little bit old school in their thinking, 
Um, they don't quite get investing in uh, something like skateboarding or a skateboarding related uh, program, especially when it doesn't have, you know, similar structures to what they're used to and the the the, the type of um, people that they're you know used to used to dealing with, and you know we can provide that 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 glue. We can be the we can stick between. Uh, uh, I think we can help to to build a bigger picture of what the potential is, and uh, try to attract um, attract people to uh, towards that. Um, more and more, more and more people will will get it. Um, I, I think it was really interesting that that Skater Stand started. You know, around two thousand and eight. It was a period of time where a whole lot of people had um, been skateboarders in the in the eighties or nineties, and uh, they were by two thousand and eight they were at a certain age, and and sometimes they were in positions of authority and power and money, and all of a sudden, you know, the the idea was ripe um, to to tap into to tap into that, and I think it. You know, now fourteen years down the down the track, um, more and more people get what we're doing, and uh, I, I I think that I, I think that we can. Um, I'm pretty confident that we can uh, get that get that support together and 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 help this whole help the help the whole sector grow and help get uh, a bigger diversity of uh, people around the world into uh into something like skateboarding and all of the things that it opens from there um as well as creating connections between uh people across across the world i think that that's the the beautiful part that perhaps uh, you and i have have experienced you know over the last couple of decades traveling to different countries and being accepted um so so quickly simply because you snowboard or surf or skate and um you're you're immediately part of that community and you know this is this is exactly what uh you know the the, this these are these are all these are all connections that we can um that we can draw on at this point in time well it'd be good to to chat about what's going on in Afghanistan. Like I, now I'm aware that we can't go too specific and I won't ask you to do that because it's obviously very sensitive because it's a, it's, a, it's a fluid, very real situation right now. Um, but if you're comfortable, well, obviously just, you know, talk to the level at which you feel comfortable. But I guess what I'm interested in finding out is initially like at what point you realised a very significant change was on the way because you did mention that in passing almost you said earlier a lot of organizations were leaving over the last few years and you you guys are still around so clearly like the mood the background geopolitically in Afghanistan has been shifting for quite a few years now let's just say but it came to a head this year so I'd be interested in understanding firstly at what point you kind of realize the significance of the change that was coming and, and and how much it was going to affect what you were doing um i i mean i think i was i was very very uh i i didn't i didn't see things coming at all <laughs> um 
it was uh, I would I'd like to have uh, been uh, a lot more uh, a lot more prepared for for the changes, um, but I think the fact remains that Afghanistan was always a very conservative country, and uh, we we worked out how to operate in in that uh, in in that in, in in that environment there that was work that we needed to do on a on a daily on a daily basis and um we're uh, we're going to we're going to use all of those all of those all of that experience and all of those skills um going into the going into the future and and working out how we can uh you know how 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 can we safely safely operate in in the country and um, continue to to reach all of the all of the kids that are super excited to to skateboard again soon. So practically, what 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 was the impact on Skatistan and and the communities that you're working with? Um, the I mean safety of everybody was absolutely our our prime prime concern um, with any any changes that were that were happening in the in the different environments that people were in and uh, you know change happened very very fast um, some some people that uh, were working for Skaterstan decided to to leave the leave the country and uh, we we try to assist them where we where we could and uh, some of those are now in in other countries around the around the world um uh we've got uh, you know all of our uh, most of our most of our students and uh, a big uh, uh, a certain percentage of our staff are still left in the country and um they're uh, yeah they they're, they're basically living their living their lives day to day there's um some huge uh, humanitarian challenges in the in the country right now uh in terms of access to money um to, uh, access to to work and to jobs and uh right now 90% of people in Afghanistan don't have food security so um it's a it's a it's a real there's definitely a, a humanitarian um, crisis on the on the horizon. Um, the there's been a drought in the in the country the last the last two years, which which makes things which makes things even even harder. But as ever, you know, Skaterstan is is where we're we're in touch with our community. And uh, we're we're looking to, to to help them in their in their lives in and and how they you know what what sort of what sort of uh, what sort of future they would like to they would like to they would like to create. There's a lot of questions as to what that what that looks like. But um, yeah, for us, it was it was very much safety first. How can uh, how can everybody uh, how can everybody stay safe, and then what are the what are the next um, what are the what are the next steps? So, what what does the future for Afghanistan and Afghanistan look like now? 
that's very very difficult to to say um, right right now. Um, we definitely want to operate in the in the country um, if we if it is if it is possible at all. Um, if it, if there's anybody that knows how to do it, it's us because we've built up a lot of uh, experience over the last uh, over the last fourteen years, um, and I think it's also a little bit of a a little bit of a test of the way that we have gone about things, um, you know the. The proof will be in the pudding, you know. If we if we can if we can keep on operating successfully, then a lot of the investments that we've made over the last decade um, can can really uh, can really start to bear fruit. And uh, it's it's a little bit of a, a different approach that we've that we've taken. Um, it, it's a lot about putting that nationals afghan nationals first and uh, we haven't had any uh, foreigners involved in afghanistan since 2015 and the, the the national teams have always built up all of the programs and um expanded them and and done absolutely amazing work because they understand the context and they'll, they'll know how to how to navigate some what seems like almost impossible uh conditions so it's going to be it's going to be more of more of that and uh i i yeah it's it's hard to it's hard to know where it where it goes goes to but that's also that's also our roots i didn't go to afghanistan in the in the first place with the idea of of starting a, a skateboarding school of all things um it's uh, it, that that came from kids in the street not giving me my skateboard back, and then <laughs> after engaging with them, you know, they said, "Hey, we want to go to school as well." And so uh, we we try to help them with that. And then we had our skate and create program, and they said, "We want to we want to go back to regular school as well." So we listened to them again. So our our approach is 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 definitely going to be. Let's continue listening to the to the children in the in the places that we that we work. What are their what are their hopes and dreams, and how can we how can we do something t- towards that? That's that's going to be the that's going to be the guiding force and and principle behind the the work that we do. And um, the our, our national staff will, you know, they're they're born in Afghanistan. They've dealt with a lot of shit before. They can, yeah. They, they, if anyone can do it, they can. Yeah. How many countries are you operating in right now? We uh, we have a um, we we have uh, staff on the on the ground in Afghanistan, but our programs are on pause. We're operating in South Africa, in Kenya through a, a partner organization in Jordan, through a partner organization and in Bolivia through a partner organization and we've got our own skate school in um, in Cambodia. So um, yeah, all of uh, all of all of those all of those countries we're, we're really we're very open to lots of different ideas. We want to just, um, open it up right now 
uh, we have actually just started to to work in um, in the US in terms of some of those uh, uh, staff from Afghanistan that left the country and have ended up in the in the US. They're on a refugee camp and they want to teach skateboarding to to other Afghan refugees there. And we're like, all right, that sounds cool. Let's let's go for it. So. Um, the number that we work in is going to rapidly increase because we're not just looking at building skate schools like before. We're looking at lots of different models of uh, how we could um, implement our programs and, and be involved. Um, so that that number is going to going to rapidly expand over the increase over the next couple of months as we. Yeah, Sorry, oh, I was going to say, as you guys have shared with me, like some of the plans for the, you know, from the learnings that you've taken from what's happened in Afghanistan um, and how it obviously impacts the work you can do. And it, it seems like the conclusion that you've reached is the need, you need to build in more flexibility almost. Like, or, or, you know, I, 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 hate, I hate the word agile in this context, but it is actually quite fitting um, in, on this occasion. But yeah, you know, like having, because obviously your approach was very much, let's put roots down, you know, yeah. let's, 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 let's actually physically build a community here is, and, and obviously what, what's happened in Afghanistan is very, very obviously affected that, that, that concrete reality that you created over there. So is that the main change? Is that what's at the, is that what's at the heart of this? new flexible approach to kind of give you the flexibility so that when this geopolitical backdrop does shift you're still more able to to keep the work going with less impact on what you've been trying to achieve yeah it was it was really about you know starting in afghanistan we people live just such precarious existences and um, we wanted to build some sort of stability there and we wanted to think long term. And so this is sort of those, the, the idea behind these large skate schools that were then going to operate for decades and, um, you know, be involved in a kid's life from age five to, to 17. Um, really sort of longer term building in that longer term stability in, in people's lives that were... Um, so transient and and changed so fast and and that that was something that we felt that was 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 necessary at the time. Right now, we 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 don't you know we still see that approach as completely valid and in some places we definitely should be opening up new new skate schools and having that approach. But it's also a very slow um, slow approach. Uh, right now, uh, I think we've got the ability to to expand much faster, and we've got to we've got to look at different different models, and and that's exactly where we are right now, where we just want to try lots of different things really really fast, and that could involve anybody in the in in the Good Push Alliance, um, you know these these six hundred projects all around the world. Um, it could involve uh, other uh, NGO partner organizations. So, for example, in Kenya, we're working together with a ballet school uh, that's that, that's working in a in a very poor uh, part of Nairobi. Um, it's you know the we're, we're we're really just opening it up 
and let's try lots of different things and come up with some some new approaches and and then um once we've got a little bit more uh, experience there we can we can scale those out um we in uh, south africa we've just started to we started a program um that uh where there's some primary schools and um some secondary schools that have skate parks attached to them and we're running a program together with the schools i mean that's also a a model where we could work with education departments in different countries and uh, build out build out programs Um, these are all different things and and then those uh, sort of shorter term projects that could we could we could try anywhere Um, this is this is going to open open up our minds it's going to build our build our skills and uh i i think it's uh yeah there's there's i i think it's a a fantastic point in time to be to be doing to be doing that um we're still going to have our skate schools um but we want to we want to try some other approaches right right now as well and what what does that mean sort of for the the business model, if you like, is that is that does that necessitate a, like a round of fundraising? Is is this because obviously that is a significantly different approach you've just outlined, and yeah, it makes complete sense. And also, quite amazed at how quickly you've I nearly said pivot. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it. Um, change your approach, let's say um, to. I'm, I'm, I'm actually just really impressed by like how you've been able to obviously assimilate what's happened, put it and, and make it into a positive approach and a new vision so quickly, let's say. And, and, and I imagine there's a lot of moving parts behind that. So yeah, do you need to raise more money to do that? Like how's that actually practically going to work? Thanks for... Um saying that it's uh, it's really really kind it i mean it, it just feels like a, a whirlwind around around us and um it's uh don't don't often get to to step back and and feel uh, feel like we're going in a, um uh, a, a, you know something that makes sense to to other people as well to, to, to be honest, before you answer the question, but that's kind of what I wanted to have a chat with you, to be honest, because obviously I've been sort of messaging you for a couple of months now to try and set this up. And that that's kind of what I was interested in, you know, from a sort of journalistic point of view, to, to be frank, like how on earth you were going to react to this, let's face it, awful situation, you know, mm-hmm. and it is impressive. Like, I'm not just saying that to sort of blow smoke. <laughs> I mean, it, it is I can't, I run a business, like I'm aware of like how challenging dealing with fucking COVID in the UK was, you know, like, so to, 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 to um, compared to what you've been dealing with, like, and, and more importantly, the, the communities that you work with have been dealing with, that's, that's feels quite insignificant <laughs> to, to put it bluntly. Um, so yeah, like that's, I, I, I do mean that. And I do think that is, that that's that's really impressive to be honest but yeah like practically like what what what's next because you're gonna have to i imagine there's there's a lot that needs to 
to to take you know to fall into place behind the scenes to sort of facilitate all this yeah very very practically um i need to raise around 1.5 million dollars as fast as possible um to simply do all of these um five strategies that we've got for 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 expansion um traditionally the way that fundraising works is that people support something and they want their money that they support with to go towards something specific and uh, that ties us up in knots you know that like that that just creates we we need to have I need to sort of get that money untied and that's that's the challenge because not there's there's not there's not that many it's a it's a huge amount of money and uh, there's it's not everybody's in the, in the place to just go how oh, wow you know I really love the way that you work skater stan um here's the here's the money and uh, I'm sure that you're going to do some really great great stuff with it but that's essentially where we're at right now that's the that's 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 the challenge to to raise 1.5 million. We've got a um, a fundraiser that's uh, that's launching actually in in two weeks time, mid mid November. And uh, when we if we have that money, we've got then the ability to back the back the ideas that work. We're going to try lots of different things, and when something works, we're going to back it more and do more do more of that if something doesn't work we're going to cut it and uh, the 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 regular way of doing things of like proposing a certain project to a certain donor and then doing it if that project's not doing well you're scared to cut it because then maybe you lose that donor and that's the that's that's the real challenge in the work that we do if you're a company um, and you buy a, a computer from a certain brand, you don't tell that brand how to spend the profits from the computer that you bought in what type of R&D that they'll do. <laughs> the brand has the ability to, you know, utilise that money in the way that it makes sense to them. And that's the, that's the conundrum in the, in, in the non-profit sector of uh, I want Skater Stand to be children led and children to be telling us what makes sense to, to to them or not and they're going to vote with their feet in terms of the programs you know they're going to either turn up and the program's running well or they're or they're not <laughs> and uh you know this is this is where i want to be able to just you know support the things that back the kids and uh, we need to we need to find people that uh you know can um understand this approach and uh, not necessarily try to uh, pretend that they know better than the kids what they need. Yeah, I imagine that can get quite, well, yeah, that's another podcast, isn't it? Um, so how can people get involved and people listening? Like you've launched in two weeks, we're recording this at the end of October 2021, so mid-November 21 you're going to be launching what is it like a crowdfunder like how's it work yeah there's a there's a campaign on our on our website um so uh yeah we're, we're going to get that get that out it's going to be on on social media so people can share it on Instagram on Facebook on Twitter 
Um, we've got the people have the ability to support us with um, with money. Uh, you can donate shares in the US. You can donate cryptocurrency to, to Skaterstan as well. Um, people can sh- uh, let other people know about what we're what we're doing, and um, you know, spreading the word is uh, also a huge part of of helping getting behind what we what we do. We always encourage people to become citizens of Skaterstan, so that's our monthly donor program. And uh, from ten dollars a month, you can you can be a be a citizen and join our our students and staff and all of the people that um, uh, are part of our yeah global global community. And we we keep in touch with uh, with all of the citizens of Skaterstan through an, uh, a newsletter monthly and and other other things. Apologies. That's all right. That's the modern world, isn't it? <laughs> a lot of weird, a lot of technology shouting at you the whole time. Um, yeah. Hey, well, Ollie, thanks so much. Like, I really enjoyed that, and it was really great to uh, to sort of catch up with you again. Thanks for doing it. And also, while we're chatting. Thanks for setting up the Jamie Thomas interview, which is um, still my most popular episode and still the episode that everybody refers to when they message me. Um, and that all came from your intro. So thank you. Much appreciated. Brilliant. Really, uh, really happy to hear that. I, I chatted to Jamie last week and uh, it's always uh, it's always really fun to, to touch base and and I'm absolutely blown away by I just turned 47. We're, we're the same age, and his 47 tricks. That yeah. was that was that was that was impressive. So I'm going to go for a skate now, and I'm going to see if I can get one of one of those 47. <laughs> so there you go. That was my chat with Ollie Perkovich, and I hope you enjoyed it. I've got such admiration for Ollie. His selflessness, positivity, and belief in the power of community and change. It just becomes more quietly revolutionary as the years pass um, against the backdrop, you know, against the backdrop we're currently experiencing in the world. And I think it's needed now more than ever. So to find out more about what Skaterstand do and to help Ollie in his mission, head over to skaterstand.org. Housekeeping Corner. If you're new to the podcast, this is basically um, my chance to spout a lot of shit um, about things that are going on in my world and things that relate to the podcast. Um, It's much loved, I think is fair to say, by regular listeners. It's quite irreverent, so um, it's never to be taken that seriously. Uh, But yeah, um, this week, I wanted to address the fact actually that I used the words pivot and agile in that conversation, thus straying dangerously close to podcast Yibble Talk territory. I mean, I was being slightly ironic, but that's no excuse. I didn't use the phrase deep dive, though, so I think we can all be thankful for that. But as I was kind of thinking about this, I thought, well, you know, why am I so exercised by this stuff, actually? Because I'm quite notorious about it for it among my friends, um, particularly the people I work with who I think are always be like, why the fuck does he always harp on about this stuff? Um And I think, giving it some thought, what it's about is the use of language without thinking about it, which is something I've always found fascinating, to be honest, the way that words suddenly enter the 
you know the language and people just start using them because I don't know really they think that's what you should do they're not really thinking about the meaning or they're not even thinking about something aesthetic like the way that words sound or what they actually say about the user of the words I mean one example of this I noticed in the last year I would say is people using the word peace as a verb for part and when I'm not doing this podcast I run a business called All Conditions Media and I tend to have a lot of businessy conversations with a lot of different people whether it's my colleagues whether it's clients whether it's friends and a couple of like maybe it was a couple of years ago but fairly recently I, I just noticed that people had suddenly started doing this like I'd be having conversations and they'd be saying things like have you considered the marketing piece what about the staffing piece and I was a bit like well where where's that come from and why is everybody suddenly using it and what I noticed is I found it fascinating for a couple of well for a few reasons I mean I just think it sounds bad firstly secondly it's so obviously the worst type of meaningless business jargon um thirdly there's already perfectly good words that exist that do the same job way more elegantly. And fourthly, I think the only possible reason for people to say it is because they worry on some deep-rooted level that not saying it will reveal something negative about their character when I actually think not using it does the exact opposite and reveals something strong about somebody's character. Because at the end of the day, for me, blindly using phrases like this just betrays a lack of intellectual rigor. And it's why I tend to view examples of this with suspicion, let's say, and something worth constantly taking the piss out of. Because when it comes down to it, the language we use is a tell, isn't it? It's about the way you view the world and the way you choose to express yourself. I mean, it's why I've banned anybody working for me from using the words reach out. And of course, this isn't a new bugbear. I mean, George Orwell, him again, wrote various essays on this theme, including one called Why I Write, which is very good, as you might imagine, and which, which includes the line, good prose is like a window pane. A very famous summary of this entire conversation, really. Now, of course, I'm also aware that I personally am very guilty of breaking Orwell's own rules by using words that he would probably describe as purple without meaning, mere decorative adjectives, and humbug generally, which is also a quote from Why I Write. But what can I say? I like the poetry of language personally. I like the way that there's a single a word for every single aspect of the human experience. I like the fact that Flaubert described it as the search for the right word. Pretentious, yes. Um, but, uh, you know, you can play with language you can think about language and it says a lot about the person you are and the way you choose to express yourself. Contradictory, trivial, probably, but that's the way my brain works and because that's become a bit of an ongoing thing, I thought I'd explain it. What else is Housekeeping Corner for, eh? And what else is going on? All right, well, I've got a Looking Sideways Volume 1 update, which is that the first print run, drum roll, has sold out which is amazing news and huge thanks to everybody who supported the show by buying a copy of Looking Sideways Volume 1, which I'm happy to say is now going into its second print run. Me and Owen have been so tickled 
and honoured, by the way, friends and listeners have got behind this little project of ours. Um, as long-term listeners and followers will know, I've not always taken the easy route with the podcast. I've turned down a lot of cash-grabbing opportunities over the years because for me, the point has always been about making something that had legitimate creative value and added something tangible to the community, which you know I think is a theme that came up in that conversation with Ollie. It's certainly a theme that comes up in next week's episode with Danny Kiwi Meyer. So the book was always part of an ongoing, stupidly long-winded attempt to answer a question which has really been at the centre of all the work I've done over the years. Can you create something that enriches, adds to the culture you try to represent, provides a platform for people, values their creativity by making sure everyone gets fairly paid and making a stand for what's important in our culture? And the fact that people have answered this question in the affirmative by actually buying the book has really been a heartwarming thing, which is why I've appreciated every book purchase and the support we've got so much, really, and why we're going to put another print run of Looking Sideways volume out into the world uh, in time for the end of the year. So if, you know, we're entering buy more shit or we're all fucked season when everyone just goes completely mad and just starts buying loads of shit, Um, If you're looking for something to buy, well, can I humbly suggest my book, which you can find via my website, www.wearelookingsideways.com, under the tab marked book. Clever, eh? All right, that's it for this week. I'll be back next week with the aforementioned conversation with Danny Kiwi Meyer, which is an absolutely brilliantly interesting conversation with one of Snowboarding's most original thinkers. And um, yeah, really enjoyed it hope you do too i'll see you then nice one